Voilà. This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Oh! Yes. Let's go, Kansas 80, That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Well, sort of. P.J. Glasser, Nick Ashew tonight. Duh. UNC not making things easy for your volunteers, huh? 52 to 33 right now. God, there's still four minutes to go in the first half of this, too. Yes, there is, Nick. UNC's going to put up 120 in this game. Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> Sorry. Tennessee, play some defense. <laughs> God. I mean, ridiculous. You know, I expected this from Tennessee and North Carolina if they played football, maybe, mm-hmm. but not basketball. No, not that. Uh, Number one defense in Ken Palm, Nick. Not now. My not after booty. This. Yeah, this exactly. Is, and this is, you know, I, you and I talked about this during the break. This is why college basketball is rough at the beginning of the year. Man. There is far too much that you just don't know about these kids that you don't figure out until halfway through the year. It's the thing, Nick. They're just kids, man. They're I know. Just kids. just kids, man. But I'd like it if they played some defense. <laughs> Not tonight, clearly. No. Not tonight. Uh, Lakers up 57-41 on the Pistons. Wizards down 10 in the first half to the uh, Magic. You got an early Toronto lead, 23-18 over a Phoenix as well. Jamal Murray making his return, if you missed that, uh, for the Nuggets tonight. 9 Eastern is when the uh, Nuggets and the Rockets We'll tip off, and you got, uh, of course, uh, Sixers and Pelicans in a couple of minutes here. We're going to have to switch that up real quick and get to it. But, of course, we got championship weekend coming up this weekend in college football. Well, really, starting Friday, of course, with the Pac-12 championship. So we'll count it. We count Friday as, I guess, part of the weekend there. Eric Scopel jumps on with us now, 24-7 sports, uh, duck territory. Let, let's let's just look. So we actually got into this conversation last segment, and I want to see how you feel about this. Talking about the Heisman. And it feels like it's down to Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. The odds clearly tell us that's the case, where they're at least close at BetMGM, and then you get down to the point where you've got Michael Penix Jr. at 16-1. to Is there anything that Michael Penix Jr. could do in this game, obviously more than just winning the Pac-12 championship? Is there anything that he could do in your eyes that would be enough that's realistic for him to actually come out and win the Heisman? You know, I, it's been such a strange last five weeks for Michael, too, if you look at the numbers. Like, there's been a really big shift in terms of his production. I, I think he has to have, like, it's so, I hate, I'm saying it, a Heisman moment, but like a real, real, like 500 <laughs> yards, six touchdowns, like 85%. Yeah. Comp- I think he has to do something really, really special. And Washington probably has to roll. Because I think the thing that would differentiate him in this scenario between you know, Bo and, and, and Jaden Daniels would be that you could lean on out. Hey, undefeated season. These two teams both would have in this scenario lost at least twice. And if you were to say it was a really lopsided win, maybe, but I, I would be surprised. And, and I'll be honest with you, having watched most of the Apple cup, I'm a little concerned with what's going on with Michael Penix physically. Something doesn't look right. He has really, really fallen off from the player that I remember watching and especially mid September thereafter non-conference play and you're saying he's the best quarterback in the country and it might not be close 
Eric, when you realized that these were going to be the two teams playing for the Pac-12 championship, you probably had an idea in your mind what the spread would be. Now that it's kind of settled at like nine and a half, what are your thoughts? Is this what you expected? Is it a little higher than you thought? Do you even think that there's more value on the Ducks? Because I think you bring up an interesting point. I mean, if Penix is kind of hurt, you could make an argument. Maybe Oregon should be favored by even more than the nine and a half. It's so funny because I remember coming out of the first game between these teams. I thought that we would get a rematch, and I remember saying on that podcast, I-, I think Oregon would be favored by three or four on a neutral today. This was back in October, and my co-host mm-hmm. thought I was crazy for that opinion. They thought, oh, there's no way. And now it's like I wasn't giving Oregon enough credit. And, and of course, we-, we know what's happened since, and Oregon's played and ascended, and Washington sort of seems like it's done the opposite, and the Penix part has been kind of a big part of what's going on with Washington, but I- I'm not totally stunned as somebody who's followed Oregon really, really closely and obviously followed Washington really closely, I can get it from a outside observer who's maybe just kind of walking into this and has maybe watched the first game, maybe caught a couple other games since, going, really? That team lost the other team on a, you know, not that long ago. That, that We're picking the team that lost as a 10-point favorite. That feels significant. And I, I certainly get the Washington fan gripe, but I also say, like, I think if you just look and kind of recent results you get the picture like there's been a ton of um, common opponents over the last five weeks here and, and Oregon has kind of rolled over everybody and and Washington's needed a couple strong fourth quarters to, to be undefeated still when you look at I mean you mentioned Michael Penix Jr. and I agree I mean we just saw him watch the, in that Apple Cup and you're like it just doesn't you've watched this this trend down over the last few weeks that's that is a little bit alarming especially leading into a game like this if he has another game, let's say similar to last week against Oregon. I mean, it, it pretty much all rests on his shoulders for them to win this game, right? Or is there anything else that you see where like, hey, if this happens, they've still got a shot even if Michael Penix Jr. doesn't look like himself? Well, you're talking to the Oregon guy about a scenario where Michael Penix doesn't look <laughs> great. And of course, the Oregon guy sees that as being, well, I, I, I think we would have to have a real outlier game right. with everything else because I, you look at just the two statistical um, I, I guess makeups of these teams and what we've seen most recently and basically everything favors Oregon I mean and especially in the back half of the season splits like Oregon is better defensively both on the against the run against the pass they force more turnovers they protect the ball better Oregon offensively has been pretty much a juggernaut they've been far more consistent rushing the football just throughout the season uh, Knicks has actually surpassed Penix I think in a lot of these passing stats over the last couple of games so I, I really have said all week, my, my sense is that for, for this game to be one where Washington really has a chance at the end, you're going to have to get a Michael Penix A game, or to my point earlier, Oregon is just going to have to make it real sloppy, make a ton of mistakes, team that's been, again, not, not lost the ball more than I think twice in a game all season, six total turnovers, probably has to turn over three or four times. The penalty issues, which have been kind of present in the background with Oregon, I think they're 114th nationally in penalties this year. Washington, by the way, is second to last in penalties, so both these teams have had issues. But like that's the kind of, I think, buildup in the game yeah. here where you would lean towards maybe Washington if Penix doesn't go out there and throw for 405 touchdowns or something. Eric, what's the vibe around the program right now? What's the vibe like in Eugene? Are people thinking that this is a true playoff game? We know if Washington wins, they're going to be in. Do people feel like if Oregon wins, they're good? Or is there some real concern that... Even if they win, they might need a Florida State loss. They might need Georgia to take care of Bama. Like, maybe put it in in terms of, like, percentage, like how confident people are if Oregon wins that they'll be in. 
Well, every fan base has some bedwetters, right? The, guy, the folks that just, they just are, they're, they're, they're nervous about everything. Even if it was 95% chance you told them, they'd still be figuring out the contingencies where it doesn't. I, I think Oregon's in a pretty good spot currently. But the, two, the scenario that would get me nervous would be one where, as you said, Alabama upsets Georgia in the SEC championship game and Florida State's still undefeated. Because uh, that's yeah. going to put... A lot of a lot of I mean that's a you're really going to keep out Georgia now like is that really the president we're going to set is that Georgia as a one a one loss non conference champion in the SEC who had won almost thirty consecutive games isn't going to get in because that's the sort of decision you have to be talking about right there because you'd obviously have Bama's going to get in as a SEC champion's going to get in Big Ten champion's going to get in uh, I I don't know I think that's where you get a little bit nervous if you were, were Oregon and Florida State sitting there. Um, so, uh, but I think for the most part, people have kind of, if you just kind of look at the scenarios and you see the fact that Oregon's been the number one, one loss team all along from the committee's perspective, like that's the reason I think you feel pretty good about the hypothetical Oregon Texas matchup is that some, some people might poke holes at resumes here and point to Texas having a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that. And Oregon has a couple holes in the resume, but the committee has been pretty steadfast in having Oregon ahead of them, and I just don't see any way where you come out of this weekend and both Texas and Oregon wins, and and somehow you have Texas ahead of them, just given um, what the caliber of opponent that both schools are facing this weekend is. Talking to Eric Scopel, bet MGM tonight. If we're talking in hypotheticals, then I do love a couple of good hypotheticals every once in a while. Let's let's say that everything works out. Oregon is in the college football playoff. What matchup in that first game? is probably, in your eyes, the best matchup for them to advance. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> it probably doesn't feel like Georgia, probably, right? Um, strangely, Michigan is a matchup that I think could be advantageous in a weird way, even though I really, really like this Michigan team. I just think there are some... I'd be curious to see how Michigan handled some of what Oregon can do offensively. Um that still would be a heck of a game. And it would be yeah. – that, that might be just a pick from a, hey, wouldn't it be cool if the Rose Bowl gets to host Oregon-Michigan in its final – you know what I mean, with the Pac-12 kind of hanging on its last legs, that that's the final Rose Bowl with the Pac-12 and Big Ten. There's something yeah. to that that just sort of seems fitting. Now, I don't know, easiest to win. It kind of depends on who who the other team is in there. And I guess if in a hypothetical, I guess Florida State's probably just the, the easiest pick right now. And I hate to pick on the Seminoles, but I would imagine Oregon would probably be – I don't know, close to the same margin, you know, favorite going into that one as they are right now with, with Washington, maybe even a little bit more. Eric, who are some players that maybe if people are betting this game on Friday night and they want to look at player props, like what do you think would be would be a good bet? You know, we know Bo is such a great completion percentage. Would it just be Bo's completions? Would it be passing touchdowns? Do you look at Bucky Irving rushing yards? You know, Troy Franklin receiving yards? Like, Obviously, you watch this team all year. What What are some guys that you think, if people want to bet some props, would be some good things to target? I think one thing with Bucky Irving, which would be a good one to maybe look at, is his two two of his four biggest rush outputs have been against Washington in their last two meetings. He's had 125 and 149. So I don't know what the the number is. I haven't looked at any of these props, but if you can get Irving over 100 yards, maybe that's something to look at, just because he's had some success there. Now, Oregon has kind of gone away from run a little bit in the last four or five weeks and, and Bo's numbers have really skyrocketed if you look at it. Three, four straight over 350. Um, Washington 
has been a little more susceptible to the run than I think people want to kind of acknowledge. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Oregon kind of lean on Irving's legs this one, just because, you know, they've been over 200 yards the last two times these teams have faced and, and Irving has had more than 125 in both. So I, I might lean there. If you could do a Tez Johnson, Troy Franklin prop together, maybe just because those guys have been so dynamic the last little bit here, maybe you could get both those guys 200 yards. I don't know. Like a combined 200, maybe that'd be a prop to look at. Um, Nix's completion percentage is, is such a feels like such an obvious one, though over 72 percent every game. So I don't get, I don't know what the numbers are, but those are those are some of the kind of guess trends that I've that I've noticed statistically of things that make some sense this weekend. Eric, going even past this game, I mean, obviously there's everybody knows what's happening to the Pac-12 after this season, and it's going to look totally different. We don't even know what it's going to. I mean, there's just a million things up in the air. Can you just put in perspective what this season was like for the Pac-12, watching what some of these teams were able to do, the ups and downs, the surprises? I mean, it felt like the Pac-12 was getting all of the national attention for all the wrong things. Everybody's bolting. Every team's going somewhere else. And all of a sudden, you're watching so much great football this season, it kind of just flipped all of that on its head. It, it kind of hurts more now than it did before the season when you think about not just these rivalries that you're losing on, but the trajectories of like a lot of the programs were pointed in the right direction. Like Cal was one of the teams that throughout the season, I was kind of pointing towards going like, I don't, I don't know what Wilcox has got going. I don't know what that's going to hold in the future. They finished really strong. They seem like they have their quarterback, but you just like, if you were to go down the list, you'd say Arizona, obviously on the ascent, right? Like they look really, really good. They have something there at quarterback. Yeah. That offense is really dynamic. Arizona state. I know records, not great. Kenny Dillingham is going to get that figured out. I'm confident of that Colorado, like, you can't I mean you can say what happened to the end of the season of course but like you can't tell me there's not room for optimism that things in Boulder are going to continue to get better Oregon Oregon State obviously on the ascent Washington obviously has been playing really well Washington State is is feisty Utah I mean really with the exception of like USC and Stanford and probably UCLA in terms of how they ended the season there's not really a team you look at and I go like ah that's going to be an easy easy out going forward so I am kind of to a certain degree bummed out that this conference is not going to be around and especially with like um you know the, like arizona is a team that would have been really fun to see kind of develop over the next couple of years facing oregon oregon didn't play this year so th- there are there are certainly a, a level for me of like man it's going to be a bummer and and i guess the last thing is just on a personal level going to these stadiums like it's going to be really fun to introduce myself to big 10 country but I don't know the next time I'll be in Tucson. I don't know the next time I'll be in Salt Lake for a football game. Like, I'm kind of bummed out that that's out of the uh, the annual fall ske- uh, schedule for me. And, and listen, that's everybody wants to go someplace warm. I do feel bad for you on that. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the hardest thing for pe- a lot of other people is going to be just remembering that teams are now in new conferences. The, like, the alignment here, I'm, it's taken me years to not say Maryland and the ACC. We're out here in the D.C. area, and it's like I still sometimes, oh, yeah, not ACC. It's going to drive us nuts. Eric, really appreciate the time, man. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Eric. Of course. Yep, anytime. Eric Scopel. There he goes. 24-7 sports, duck territory for them. Yeah, it's just like... It's I look I understand it. I actually do think it makes the college football regular season a lot more fun with some bigger matchups, some more intriguing matchups. Oh yeah. Uh but the realignment thing is brutal, especially when it happens all at once like this. It's just watching a conference get completely ripped apart and then have the year that they're having with the Pac-12. That's the thing. It's tough, man. It's like, you know, it's one thing that they're getting ripped apart, but it's they're the best conference in the sport. I know. That's the tough part.
and it didn't even involve USC. They were terrible when it was all yeah, said and done. They they really go, after all that, they're like, oh, they, they can't defend. Yep. Good God. So, yeah. Uh, what division races still have some value in the futures market in the NFL? Look at that next. It's BetMGM tonight.